Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Well, March Madness continues, but the Indiana Hoosiers have been eliminated from the field. Miami got the best of the Hoosiers last night in an opportunity, if Indiana could have won, to move on to the Sweet 16 round of things. I picked Indiana in my bracket to beat Miami. I know a lot of people thought that Drake may be the second-round opponent for the Hoosiers. Uh, I always had questions, though, if Indiana could beat uh, the Miami guards and the quickness that they offer. And I think Wong is a terrific player. And, of course, we see an Indiana guy from Lawrence Central doing so well last night as well. So a tough way to go out. Overall, I think a solid, a good year for Indiana. But this was a year that a Sweet 16 was a real possibility. I think the general consensus today after the loss Sunday night is – What's this team going to look like next year? And so we've got a long time ahead of us to talk about Indiana next season and the transfer portal and, of course, recruiting and so much more. But this was a golden opportunity for this team to reach the Sweet 16 round with the leadership of Trace Jackson Davis and, of course, Jalen hood Shafino and the talent that he brings to the team. I know last night he fired it up a lot. I know it wasn't one of his better games, but uh, definitely Jalen hood Shafino. The questions will begin soon. Uh, is there any chance at all he's back in Bloomington next season? My initial answer is no, because that's what people that know a lot more about it than I do say. But who knows? I think a lot of it depends on where he's projected to go in the draft and so forth. So we will see, but uh, plenty to unwrap from Indiana's loss last night. And really, now's the point when we continue to talk about the season and review things and reminisce in some cases uh, on a player like Trace Jackson Davis who uh, leaves the program as one of Indiana's all-time greats. Uh, Obviously very tough to see him walk off the court in an Indiana University uniform for the final time last night. And with about a minute left or so in the game, when Indiana's chances were basically zero, you could see that it hit Trace and uh, he was very emotional as he left the court last night. But uh, sad to see because uh, he was an amazing player. This team at times did some really good things. Um, I'm curious your all's thoughts on Mike Woodson. I believe that he has steadied things in Bloomington. Um, He's uh, intriguing, I think, for what the future could be like under his leadership and some of the assistant coaches. And I know there's a lot of people that would disagree with that or have other takes on Coach Woodson after two complete seasons. But definitely uh, a lot to unpack from this weekend. The only good thing is, 
well, I guess if you're an Indiana fan, the good thing is Purdue was uh, upset over the weekend, number one seeded Purdue. But the only other good thing for Indiana fans, for basketball fans, is we have lots of basketball still ahead. Not at the pace of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament where the games are going all day and it's like a party. Uh, not that. But we, we've got some quality matchups, and as things progress, Things get even tighter and more intense, and it just should be a fun weekend ahead with the uh, Sweet 16 games on Thursday and Friday, and then back on Saturday and Sunday with the Elite Eight games. And, of course, we've got the Final Four, the National Championship, high school basketball state championships coming up. We'll talk some about that today. It wasn't a good weekend for local teams in the southern part of the state. The only local team we had left was Rock Creek, and they got a win Saturday morning against the solid Jack Sindel team, but Indianapolis Lutheran just a little too much for the Lions on Saturday night down at Washington, so with their loss, that ended our broadcast coverage of high school basketball this season, uh, but even some of the others that are within a reasonable distance of us, Scottsburg and Brownstown, uh, they all went out the door as well this weekend, so I think the closest school left in a state championship game is maybe Linton-Stockton, which, gosh, that's two-plus hours away, so you might as well say an Indianapolis team, I guess, is the closest that we have as far as driving distance goes. So always fun to watch them and keep up with them, but uh, there will be no local teams. We've had quite the run with uh, so many locals, boys and girls, going to the state championships and deep runs into the tournament. And outside of Chris Brown's Rock Creek team, this just wasn't one of those years. Uh, We had so many teams, uh, really all but Rock Creek and New Washington when it comes to Clark and Floyd counties that were eliminated in the sectional round. So it was a different year, a different postseason for sure for high school basketball, but we still got March Madness ahead and glad you're with us here on this Monday edition of the show. Let's take a quick look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we'll begin to dive in a little bit more to the Indiana loss yesterday. Uh, We've got the IU women. I don't want to forget about that. That's going to be fun. We're going to cover the women uh, starting today, starting tomorrow forward. Let's hope they win today. So we've got some Indiana basketball here to talk about the rest of the month because they really should make it to the Final Four, to be quite honest. But we're going to cover the women like we do the men. We're going to preview the games and talk about the games. And uh, we've tried to include them as much as we can this season. It's hard in a one-hour show to fit the IU men, a little bit of women, and obviously local sports as well. But we're going to do our best to step up our coverage of them here over the next few weeks. And then, you know, the transfer portal, I'm not going to have much time to touch on that today. But gosh, I saw this morning the University of Louisville's had six players enter the transfer portal so far. I know that's crazy, but then you think about the season they had, the record they had, and so forth. So, you know, maybe it's not that crazy. But the transfer portal already here in the middle part of March is blowing up. Uh, the graduate transfer portal opened a few weeks ago. It immediately started at a high rate of speed, and now the real portal is open, and it's very, very active. And I think everybody agrees we're on our way to setting a new record number of athletes for men's basketball that enter the portal this year. So I think it's going to be a very active time for Indiana this season. Obviously, now that the season is over, you start to think about who might leave uh, graduation, who might enter the transfer portal and recruiting becomes a bit more of a topic. And then, of course, really the transfer portal. I think Indiana will have to hit certain positions very hard. So we've got that to think about as we enter off-season mode for IU Hoops as well. We'll do some of that here in the first segment. Later in the show, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join us. 
He was at the game last night. We'll recap the game last night, the loss for the Hoosiers to a solid Miami team. And I'll tell you, I'm I'm not so sure that I don't think Miami can cause Houston a lot of problems uh, and knock them off in the next round. I'm not not counting Miami out at all. So maybe uh, that would make the loss sting a little bit less last night if somehow, some way, Miami could have uh, quite a uh, a showing here in the postseason. But, but we'll talk with Zach in segment two. Later in the program, we'll be joined by Chad Gilbert. Chad is the athletic director at Charlestown High School. He's an IHSA executive board member representing our area. And we'll talk about Rock Creek to the semi-state. We'll look at the IHSA boys basketball uh, state finals as well and some other local things with Chad when he's with us today. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their Dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. I think we've already had a couple texts come in that I'll get to in just a bit. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy, cold, thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, All 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's and send us a message on the text line 502-414-1450. Okay, some headlines from last night. I didn't keep stats during the game. I don't look at the box score during the game. But, boy, the rebounding I thought was a real issue for Indiana, especially on the offensive side of the floor. So that was one thing that initially stood out. But, really, Huchifino, 19 points, 8 of 22 shooting. He was 3 of 11 from long range. And I know some of that has to do with, obviously, the uh, attempts there in the last, what, minute and a half, two minutes of the games uh, of the game that he threw up. Five rebounds for Hood Shafino and three turnovers. Of course, Trace Jackson Davis, 23 points, 7 of 10 shooting, 9 of 11 from the charity stripe. He had a total of eight rebounds. Six of those came on the defensive end of things and uh, another solid game for Trace Jackson Davis. Boy, he is going to be missed. Just the way that he held uh, himself up, the way that he held this team up, the the way that he carried himself uh, the way that he did it so efficiently, not a uh, little fiery at times, but never crossed the line, never arrogant, never uh, cocky, never. I mean, some of the things I've seen this week, last week or so in the NCAA tournament, you just wonder what some of these guys are thinking with their reactions and staring the camera down and staring the other team down. You didn't really get much of that from Trace. He was a warrior that just went to battle. And uh, in this last season especially, boy, he really became extra efficient and raised his game to another level. Uh, but that, you know, those are the highlights. Huchifino's 19 points helped, but uh, he wasn't necessarily the, the good Jalen Huchifino that we've seen at some moments uh, throughout the contest consistently. Miller Kopp last night had a couple threes, I thought, that helped Indiana in very key situations, because I was concerned early on it might get ugly early and stay that way. Uh, but Indiana made a run at it uh, to close the half, and that Miller Cop 3 uh, t- basically at the end of the first half was was a big deal. Race Thompson, he finished his IU career last night, 11 points on 5 of 12 shooting. 
had one big three-point basket as well, seven points or seven rebounds, excuse me, for Race Thompson. And I'm curious what people think about Race. I mean, he obviously uh, stayed with it at Indiana when some people thought a few years back he might transfer, came back another season, and I'm curious what his future looks like. He was up and down, but I think generally this season a solid presence for uh, the Indiana team. And then Tamar Bates last night, I, you hate to just single somebody out, but Tamar and Malik Renew, who who has actually been good recently, uh, those got with goose eggs last night. And Tamar Bates was 0 of 7 from the field, 0 of 4 from the three-point line. So, uh, boy, there's just a lot of things. Just looking at the box score to unpack from last night's game. And, again, I know we've got some texts from you guys that I'll get to here in just a few moments. But uh, rebounding last night, the bench was just poor last night. And that's kind of highlighted by um, by the, just the Tamara Bates' poor shooting. That just kind of tells you how the bench production was just not that helpful last night. And um, second chance points for Miami, and some of that has to do with rebounding. Just, you know, uh, too much, too many, and Miami is moving on to the Sweet 16. I did think that some of Trace's comments after the game were very interesting uh, that he had to say to the media. He said, quote, just two years ago we were getting booed in our home city, Indianapolis, off the court in the Big Ten tournament. Just being in this moment two years later is really special to me. To have the Indiana fans on your back and just cheering for you and giving them hope, which is something this program hasn't had in a while. It was really cool to be part of that, and I know this guy right next to me, parentheses, Mike Woodson, is going to make sure that things stay that and stay in the right direction. So pretty interesting comments from Trace. Those boos at the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis a few seasons ago obviously really stuck with him uh, and his teammates. Um, so just interesting to hear what I think really an IU legend, we can call him maybe at this point, has to say after the season-ending loss last night. Also, a couple texts on the Thornton's text line I want to get to here in the first segment. Texter says, aside from Galloway and Xavier Johnson, how will IU have enough players next year to have a competitive team? I don't see Renew and Bates having any impact Woodson has his work cut out for him. That is a great text to summarize the start of the offseason for this Indiana team. And to take it a step further with the transfer portal, you do wonder, Tamar Bates, who came in as a five-star recruit, got some time as a freshman, got some time as a sophomore, and at times did some things that made you realize he had talent. But maybe he'll be a transfer portal guy. Maybe he won't even be back himself. Uh, but I agree. That is an interesting starting point uh, for um Indiana and for Coach Woodson, and who knows what the deal is with Xavier Johnson at this point. So that's another thing to think about here in the offseason. Another texter says, Xavier getting hurt significantly lower this team's chances. They overachieved to get as far as they did. Hate to see Trace go out like this. He will forever be known as the greatest to play at IU without winning anything. <laughs> that is that is true. I love him and wish the best for him. College basketball is a guards game as Purdue, Indiana, and Kentucky losing all shows. I'm sure Woodson knows this and will build his future rosters to reflect. So another texture on the Thornton's text line says, how many Hoosiers do you think will hit the transfer portal in this day and age? Really hard to answer that question. I don't have any inside knowledge, but I do wonder about Tamar Bates uh, and if he would be willing or wanting to try something else next season. Um, Jordan Geronimo, you wonder. He's flirted with it in the past. 
didn't always get the opportunities this season that I think a lot of us thought he might. And I, I need to phrase that differently. I think he got some opportunities. He didn't always capitalize on those opportunities like I think we all have predicted on this show, myself and a lot of great guests that join me that just kept saying, hey, in a couple of years, he's got the athleticism, the body, uh, et cetera, to be a uh, worthwhile player, a meaningful player in the Big Ten. And that just hasn't happened yet. I know he's had some injuries here in the latter part of the year that may have slowed him down. But he's another name you wonder about. And I think you could – I mean, nothing should surprise us anymore in, in the transfer portal game. I mean, just nothing at all. And that also goes the flip side. Um, Indiana next week could add some unbelievable players. Look, Louisville's adding some great players, and they're losing a lot as well. Uh, Mike Woodson's connected in basketball. The assistant coaches are connected, but Woodson especially. And with that NBA resume, that's always in his back pocket to attract somebody from another school that's on the NBA radar maybe uh, and looking for a different situation. So ultimately it'll be interesting to see. I think there will be a number, a handful of players that will exit I think there will be a number of players that Indiana goes after, and we've already started hearing some of those names when the graduate transfer portal opened, what, a couple weeks ago. So the transfer portal is our go-to in the offseason for us to talk about. I mean, it's become the it's become the dominant feature of the college basketball offseason, whether that was it, its intent or not. Um, it just really has. So we'll see. Indiana will be active both ways, I think, in the portal, but – uh, if I had to guess, and I'm not saying that they will, but I would keep an eye on Geronimo and Bates. Just curious. I don't have any insight on that, but you do wonder about both of those guys, and there could be somebody else that I'm not even thinking of. So thanks for the text. We'll get to some others here on the Thornton's text line in just a bit, but right now we're going to head to a commercial break. When we come back, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join. We'll recap the game last night. If you've got questions or comments on the Hoosiers for Zach in last night's game, you want to sound off, you're upset, or maybe you just want to cheer on the IUM and you can send them to 502-414-1450, 502-414-1450. Headed to a break. Back with more after this here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday edition of the show. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star going to join us. The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Zach, there's so much we can chat about from last night, and we'll get to a number of topics here today. But first and foremost, Trace Jackson Davis, his Indiana career officially came to a close last night when the buzzer sounded in the loss to Miami for the Hoosiers. 
And you've been around Bloomington as a reporter, as a media person, even going back to your days as a student there. Uh, you've seen this program through lots of ups and downs. You've seen a number of talented players move through the program. But Trace Jackson Davis has no question about it left his mark in a very, very positive way uh, with IU basketball and really his ultimate standing, I think, as a one of the all-time greats in the program, to be quite honest. You know, I mean, I've covered, and I've thought about this, and I think I've, I've said this to different people at times. People have obviously asked. I've covered or at least been around for everybody from probably, if we're talking about sort of, you know, players that, you know, could be in, I don't know, a, a top 10 you've ever seen at Indiana, you know, and, and you can stack up careers differently based on, you know, who stayed for one year or two years or four years or whatever. But uh, I've probably been around for DJ White, Eric Gordon, Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller, Yogi Ferrell. Um, you know, there, there's there's some others thrown in there, Juwan Morgan, Jordan Halls. Um, I, I have never seen a player as, as talented or as dominant as Trace Jackson Davis. And it's, it's not just the points and rebounds. It's, you know, I, I revisit this statistic a lot, not because it's the only one I care about, but Trace Jackson Davis in 20 big 10 games this season had an assist rate of 28.7%. He assisted 28.7% of all made baskets while he was on the floor. Yogi Ferrell's assist rate in 2016 in Big Ten play when Indiana won the Big Ten title was 27%. Um, I've never seen a player that impacted the game in so many different ways. And often when a player, when you say that about a player, it's, it's not damning them with faint praise, but it's, it's because they give over some sort of individual success. Maybe they take fewer shots or... Um, you know, they grab fewer rebounds because they're trying to do so much else for the team. They wind up being a bit more of a sort of, you know, jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Trace Jackson Davis was a master of all trades. You know, by the end of his career, he was Indiana's all-time leader in rebounds, in block shots. He was um, Indiana's uh, third all-time scorer. And, and while I don't really want to, you know, over-egg this pudding too much, it is worth saying the two players in front of him, Albert Chaney and Steve Alford got at least some time with a three-point line. I think Alford only got one season of the three-point line. But Trace Jackson Davis um, never made a three in his career. All of his points came on two-pointers, so you can't even sort of do the things sometimes you do with scoring records where you say, yeah, but you know, so-and-so didn't have the three-point line, so maybe that wouldn't account and so forth. Um, he was a remarkable player. He just he was he was the best I've ever seen pull on the uniform, and and I think it's also worth saying you know he was that, um, but he wasn't that always. You know we didn't see that in his first year or even in his second year, and think you know this is a, a player who could be remembered among the the very best ever to come through Indiana. Um, he made himself into that player. You know, he, he, he challenged himself. He pushed himself when there were opportunities for him to walk away. Um, he made himself into that player. And I think it's, it's greatly to his credit. And I think if there's probably any one regret from Indiana this season, uh, well, I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are plenty of regrets because, you know, you just, you, you naturally feel them when the season doesn't end where you expect. But, you know, one of the overriding ones I suspect will be not being able to hang some sort of, um, you know, banner on the wall that that could kind of be attached to Jackson Davis's career as a team achiever. 
talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. I want to get to Jalen hood Shafino in his future here in just a minute, but I do want to talk about some of the things in the game last night before we kind of think about the future because now that it's the offseason, we've got a lot of time ahead of us to talk about the future of this IU program for next season. But it just did not have a good feel, Zach, out of the tip. Indiana uh, trailed 6 nothing early, I think, within the first two minutes of the game. Coach Woodson had to call a timeout. So much has been said about, and I know it probably gets overused in, in, in with any team in any sport. You know, how you start is so important. I always have felt that way, especially in the postseason, to come out with a little momentum and just break that uh, nerves or whatever may be the issue. But Indiana just was really, really sluggish, I thought, early on. And Miami came out with a team that looked poised. They looked very energetic. They looked like they were just had been sitting on the edge of their seats all day long ready for tip-off, ready to get out on the floor finally, and Indiana did not. Yeah, I'll be honest, I'm I'm not sure if Indiana wasn't ready or if Miami was just faster, (laughs) because I think if that game were on, one of the the big sort of advantages Miami capitalized on, um, and one we expected, and, and one that quite frankly we've seen Indiana struggle with teams of Miami's profile this season. I'm thinking about Penn State. I'm thinking about Iowa to some extent. Miami's probably even quicker and more athletic than Iowa. But teams that have two, three, four players that can attack off the bounce, that can, um, you know, pick on on teams that are going to switch relentlessly, and Indiana's defense is is built around switching, um, you know, uh, is built around switching, you know, pretty much at will. Um, there, there are very few players on Indiana's team, if any, that, that don't switch, that won't switch. Um, but we've seen Indiana struggle with, again, with Iowa, uh, with Penn State, certainly with, you know, more hyper-talented teams like Kansas and, and um, Arizona, and of course, you know, I'm sitting here talking about all these teams. They're all out of the tournament now, including Indiana, and somehow that sometimes that's just kind of how the the ball bounces for you, but um, I, I think Indiana, I think Miami just looked quicker than Indiana out of the gate, because Miami is quicker than Indiana, and, and that was always going to be something Indiana was going to have to manage, and there were always going to be stretches in that game when Indiana struggled you know, that, that was always kind of, kind of, even if Indiana had somehow managed to win it, it was going to be a game where Indiana was going to have to weather some runs. Um, ultimately, they just kind of couldn't do it, and, and there are a variety of reasons for that, some of which are probably confined to last night's performance, some of which, quite frankly, probably just, you know, um, speak to some problems this team encountered this season that it never quite solved. Um, but one way or another, you know, I, I, I'm... I don't know how much of that was just Miami's intensity and Miami's sort of focus compared to Indiana's and just quite frankly, how much of it was the fact that Miami's just quicker than Indiana. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star with us talking about last night's Indiana loss to Miami rebounds. Boy, Indiana was out rebounded last night, especially on the offensive end of the glass, which is surprising when you think about trace and race and others that have done some damage consistently on the boards this season. Uh, Indiana fell short in that category, and I think that was a big part of the bad start early and something that hindered Indiana throughout the whole game. Yeah, I think it was it was probably even more pronounced in the second half, and I think that um, you know that there are a few things that, that kind of 
sort of, I guess, came to mind for me, for lack of a better term. Um, that is probably one area where it's it's fair to point to activity level and, and energy level because there's always going to be an extent to which rebounding is just about energy and about how hard you're willing to work at the end of a, a defensive possession to finish the possession, to clear the board, um, and to, you know, to, to get to, to, you know, sort of just secure the ball and get moving. Um, and so I think there's an extent to which, you know, Indiana probably just deserves, you know, fairly some criticism for being, um, for just not being, you know, focused enough and intense enough at that end of the floor. I do think there are pieces of this, you know, this has been, quite frankly, kind of a developing theme for Indiana. Um, they were, Wealth in the Big Ten in league games alone, in opponent offensive rebound rate that they were, they had struggled with that as the season wore on, and I think one of the reasons why, frankly, and I, I, I know people don't want to hear stuff like this on a day like this, and that's fine if you don't want to, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop you, I'm not gonna force your ears open. Um, Indiana has to be by, you know, by the way its defense is constructed, at least right now, and, and we'll see how things work moving forward because Indiana obviously just lost its, its far and away its most influential defensive player in Trace Jackson Davis. But Indiana's defense was really built around forcing jump shots. And and at its best, it's a defense that tends to force jumpers, long jumpers, um, you know, threes near the end of the shot clock, et cetera. And those shots tend to lead to longer caroms and longer rebound opportunities, which tend to need to be secured by guards. That's even more true when your best rebounder, and Ray Thompson, of course, is, is still a very good one, and Malik Renew is a good one as well. But Indiana's best rebounder by far, the best rebounder in the Big Ten this season at the defensive end of the floor is Trace Jackson Davis. And um, when you station Trace Jackson Davis around the rim because you want him, you want his rim-protecting presence, his shot-blocking presence to essentially help force those jumpers and dissuade opponents from driving all the way at the basket. And you're doing that in part because you also know that a team like Miami is probably going to have the personnel to be a little bit quicker to their spots than you. So you're going to give up some drives. You're going to give up some penetration, and you're comfortable doing that because you've got such an elite shot blocker at the rim. Well, the thing is, you leave that shot blocker at the rim, he can't get into backside position for rebounds. And, and so he's going to pull down his share, but it's going to have to be other people that go and grab those, those longer caroms that in the, the better defensive possessions. And the shame for Indiana last night was I thought some of their best defensive possessions were actually the ones they couldn't close in terms of how well they defended until it was time to rebound the ball. And if you can't rebound the ball, you can't defend because you can't, you can't finish the possession. But everything about their defense and a lot of those possessions was very good until they could not clear the board. And I think that's an area where, you know, you, you have a handful of players that probably could have been better at it as the season wore on your Jalen Hood, Shafino's your Trey Galloway's. I think it's also worth saying, quite frankly, that if you just, if you look at by the numbers, but also if you just watch them play, you, you would see this is true. Xavier Johnson is an outstanding guard rebounder. He's really, really good at it. And Indiana never really found, among the many different things that Indiana kind of never really replaced when Johnson, um, when Johnson uh, uh, 
without, you know, broke his foot and, and obviously eventually never came back, was his ability to rebound the ball defensively. There's not a single guard with a higher defensive rebounding rate on Indiana's roster than Xavier Johnson. The only other one that's close, the only other one that's got a defensive rebounding rate in double digits is Jalen Mitchafino. And so I think that was an area where, you know, you, you, you saw a number of Xavier Johnson-sized holes in Indiana last night. Um, against Miami, and that was one of them. And I think that there's an extent to which, you know, frankly, it's not the only reason, but it is a reason, and, and probably a pretty big one, why um, Indiana never quite became the team we thought that they were capable of becoming this season. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach, before we let you go, a couple quick hitters here. First, can Miami, can they cause Houston problems uh, in the Sweet 16? Could this be a Final 8 or even a Final 4 team? I think a lot of that's going to come down to where Houston's guards are health-wise. Obviously, Sasser and Shed. I think we're both in some foul trouble, and I think Sasser in particular has been, been dealing with the, the, the groin injury. Um, Miami can make shots. You know, I think that's they are smaller, and I think Houston at its best can probably push them around a little bit too much. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, if if you've got a team that's got you know, three, four, even five players, if you go all the way down to the bench, that can make some threes, that can just hit tough shots. And I thought that, to be fair, Miami, again, their activity level got them a bunch of second chances, but it also, there were just a couple times where Miami made a, a, a big, tough shot last night. If you've got a team that can do that, I think they've always got a chance. But if Houston's at full strength, I just think Houston is, is so comprehensive and so smothering defensively that it's it's hard for me to imagine a Miami team that's quick but does not have a lot of size, and especially those guards. It's not like they're really strong. It's not like they're really so they can't bully you as well. Um, I, I would probably back Houston in that in that uh, in that scenario. All right, Michigan State is the lone Big Ten representative once again. Tom Izzo uh, have the Spartans in the midst of a March run, which is just amazing. Is this going to be it, or can Michigan State find a way to advance on? They've got a challenge against a hot Kansas State team that I I really like how they play, fun to watch and move up and down quickly. Can Michigan State play with them? Can they beat them? I think they can. Um, I agree with you. I I like Kansas State. I've liked Kansas State, you know, uh, pretty much all season. If anything, I mean, I know that I'm not saying they were underseeded. You know, I I hate that phrase at this time of year. you know, and they probably didn't help themselves losing their last two games, their last game of the regular season at West Virginia, and then they were one and done in the Big 12 tournament. But, you know, I mean, I thought they had the profile of a two-seed all season, and they wound up a three. Um, you know, they've got – I mean, they can they can make shots on you. I, I love Jerome. I think Jerome Tang just said yesterday, I think this was him, that, you know, somebody asked him, you know, basically, you know, something about, like, why Kansas State was so good in his first season. He said, like, something like, we just have dudes. We just got dudes. They just, you know, there were a number of times watching that Kentucky game yesterday where it felt to me like Kentucky was starting to overwhelm Kansas State and take the game away from them. And every time, whether it was Desi Sills, uh, whether it was Keontae Johnson, whether it was somebody else, every time somebody just found an answer and just made a tough shot or, you know, made a great defensive play. And it's just, they have the look of one of those teams that's that's just built for a March run. Now, to be fair, so does NC State, or uh, excuse me, Michigan State. Michigan State, you know, has gotten, I mean, frankly, exponentially better in my mind. Like, I mean, you know, after 
early February, I thought Michigan State was a little bit dead in the water. Um, and, uh, and maybe that's, forgive me, maybe that's not the best um, the, the best metaphor to use given everything that Michigan State's had to endure this year. I apologize. I, I should probably pull that back. I'm sorry. Um, it was just, it, it was a late night and an early morning, so speaking a little bit. Uh, I understand. But, but um, you know, Michigan State got through last weekend one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They made seven threes in two games, and they still got through last weekend, and they beat a really good Marquette team. And they were in control of that game down the stretch. Marquette, you know, was Marquette was, you know, the final score wasn't quite so lopsided, but that game took on the complexion of the IU Miami game a little bit in that it felt like Marquette was fighting just to get control of that game for long stretches, um, especially in the second half. So I think that's going to be one of the better games. And, you know, there's a decent chance when you look at, um, you know, kind of how the brackets line up that there's, there's a decent chance that the winner of that game, um, winds up being, you know, the, the, the favorite to go on to the Final Four. Uh, I absolutely think that, that Michigan State could do that, but I think it's going to be difficult for them because I, I really like Kansas State. I really do. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, with us Monday. Zach, uh, no problem on that. Thank you so much for the insight, and uh, we'll catch up with you again here real soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, Zach, with us always on Monday. Uh, back to the text line here for just a minute. Texter says, just another underachieving march for the IU men again. 21 years in a row. It's an unwanted tradition. Let's support our IU women's tourney run. They bring it every game mentally and show up to win. So, again, good luck to the women tonight. And I'm told that uh, we'll have the women's broadcast tonight here on the Big X, this NCAA tournament game. So uh, that's great news as well. Another texter says, I think Indiana's season was a letdown. I hate when a team that has lots of preseason hype because it rarely proves to be true. Also proven false was that our second string was better than everyone else's starting five. If that were true, one player being out wouldn't matter. I also hate when fans on social media make fun of Purdue losing because it usually comes back to bite you. A lot of good stuff in that text, and I especially appreciate you bringing up how good the uh, bench was mentioned in the preseason. You know, Indiana's got platoons. Indiana's got two starting fives when you look at the rest of the Big Ten, and that obviously uh, did not come out in fruition for sure. We'll head to a break. Chad Gilbert is next. Quick chat on local sports. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Monday program. I think I'm caught up on text. Uh, one texter, Doc, says Indiana needs new assistant coaches and they need more Indiana high school basketball players. So we'll 
Well, that's something to think about here in the offseason. I don't know about the assistant coach's comments, but always great to get in-state talent when you can. And uh, Butch uh, is back with us, Butch Coleman. Uh, he said, got you live today, coming through Atlanta loud and clear, been missing the big X. Well, Butch, it's always great uh, to hear from you, so we appreciate that. A uh, couple things. I have been unable to connect with Chad Gilbert here to close out our Monday program, so we'll see if we get him or not. But um, Rock Creek uh, in the semi-state, they had a big win on Saturday morning over Jacksonville and then fell short against a really good Indianapolis Lutheran team on Saturday night. And I want to thank Chris Brown, the coach and AD there. It's been fun to cover the team. Rock Creek is not typically a team that we see a lot during the regular season with our broadcast. We focus on Jeffersonville and New Albany and Providence and Floyd Central. So when all those teams went out, we wanted to continue on with Southern Indiana High School basketball, uh, and Rock Creek was the was the answer. So it was fun the last few weeks to cover that team and see that fan base really come together and have a good time. And I tell you what, uh, definitely uh, a team that uh, has a great story to see what they uh, were in the regular season. Just amazing uh, what their record was heading into the tournament. They finished the year at 12-15, and 15, and Ladarius Wallace on that team, a very underrated player. He really controlled the tempo in a lot of games. Solid player, good kid. Uh, other really good players as well, Jaleb Treat and Marielle Deeper, uh, two big guys, six seven treat and seven foot deeper, uh, were a big part of that Rock Creek team. And then uh, Kiwan Biko, he's the one that had the big shot to upset Borden to win the sectional to get this whole postseason run really going. So it was fun to be in Washington with those guys over the weekend. And again, congratulations to Chris Brown. I don't think a lot of people realize he, he's been doing this for 27 years, 27 years, all at Rock Creek. It was It's now Rock Creek, a public charter school. It used to be Rock Creek Christian uh, School. And before that, it was Restoration Christian School. And at one time, they weren't even a member of the IHSA. Uh, Chris has great stories of teams that he had years ago uh, going to the National Christian school tournament as well so uh, but just an interesting uh, interesting time for Rock Creek and good for them to have some success and get so close to Indianapolis I think we've got Chad Gilbert with us now it's going to be a real quick conversation but Chad we are headed into the final week of high school basketball for the year and Rock Creek the southern Indiana team here in our area to make it the farthest you know, Rock Creek, hats off to them. An outstanding year. Like you said, Chris Brown doing it for 27 years. That may have been the farthest Chris has ever been in the tournament. Not sure it's the best teams he's ever had, but those guys got it together at the right time. They played tough competition throughout the year, and uh, when the time came to advance, they did it. So congratulations to Chris. Like you said, that's a, that's a veteran. Chris is a veteran guy that's been in it for a long time. 27 years was a Graceland guy before that, back when we played in high school. Uh so, you know, happy for him and his success this year. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown AD, IHSA, executive board member. Uh, Chad, I, I've spent so much time on IU today and their loss last night. Uh, I've mentioned Rock Creek, but you, I know, focused in over the weekend on a lot of the different semi-state games from across the area. Uh, and so Scottsburg had – 
just a thrilling hang on and really come from behind and then hang on win in the 3A at Seymour on Saturday morning. They were defeated by Garen Catholic on Saturday night. And then in 2A, Brownstown cruised to the championship game and got beat by Linton Stockton, who I think it's been widely widely known that Coach Joey Hart got his second DUI in this one season. He is out uh, right now, not coaching, as you would expect. And so Linton Stockton uh, really uh, challenged uh, Brownstown, able to get him Saturday night. So not just Rock Creek going out, but Brownstown and Scottsburg and anybody even remotely close to our area or tied into any of the local conferences, everybody's done. You know, you got to be happy for the team's success, you know, that they made it. Uh, Scottsburg win the morning game, Brownstown win the morning game. They really represent the Mid-Southern Conference game uh, very well. Uh, as far as them and the night game, both teams that they played were better than them. You know, it was they were both uh, – Handled decisively. Uh, Brownstown made a run back at the end, but the game was over by that time. You know, and it was one of those things that you run into sometimes. Teams that are better than you, and I think that was the case with both of those guys. But congratulations to those two in a win, a great win. But this weekend, man, there's going to be some great basketball. Fans want to see college coaches who are not playing in the NCAA tournament this weekend go to Gamebridge because everybody's going to be watching that kid from Kokomo, Matt, and he is something special. There'll be every High major coach who's not in the tournament will be there this weekend with their eyes on him. Yeah, the IHSA state finals always a fun day in Indianapolis. Chad, it's hard to believe that, yeah, we've got state championships coming up, but for a lot of our local teams, the off season is here. And uh, there's some coaching openings out there. New Albany and Floyd Central uh, probably at the top of everyone's list locally. Who knows what the next couple of weeks could bring as well. But just kind of a different and interesting time in a whole different way from everything else that we've talked about all season. We've highlighted players, teams, coaches, fan bases, communities. We try to do it all in this segment. But now the focus will go on to some different things. Well, Matt, you think about the coaching, you know, that's something. There's a lot of changes coming around. I think at last count between the Hoosier Hills, just southern Indiana, and uh, the Mid-Southern Conference, nine open jobs. I mean, who's going to fill those jobs? That's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, We've talked about this before, that in, you know, five or six years, ADs and coaches are going to be able to pick their their thing, and, you know, that could be here closer than what you think because uh, tough profession. A lot of stuff involved in it, but a very rewarding profession, Matt, as you know. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, AD at Charlestown. Chad, thank you for the quick chat. We'll do it again next Monday. Matt, appreciate the run. Thanks for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. All right, a quick chat with Chad to wrap up our opening show of the week. Don't forget, if you miss us live, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. IU Women tonight. Here on the Big X, we'll have the broadcast. We'll recap everything tomorrow. He's spending a lot more time on the women's team moving forward. You can bet that. Have a great Monday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.